I don't have a good way to start it, so I guess it has already started. Well, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We are into it. Can't stop. How's it going? It's going good. good. Very, 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 very good. Everybody looks awake today, which is cool. I've been up for a while. I went and got coffee already. Cool. David nodded like, yeah, yeah. I've been awake forever. (laughs) (laughs) It's 9.08. I got up at uh, 7.45. It's, yeah, I got up normally today. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, good for us. We all got up at a reasonable time. Good morning. That's cool. Yeah, I went for a run already this morning. That always gets me, gets me going. But it is so hot. Oh, like on, very hot out. On ridiculous. Monday, on Monday, I got up and I immediately went for a two mile walk. Not a run, just a walk. And I thought I'm going to start a new habit. And then on Tuesday <laughs> in the fall, and, <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It only it only happened on Monday. But I need yeah. to start a new healthier habit for sure, especially in the morning. That's that's when I'm most motivated. Yeah. So I didn't run yesterday. We've talked about this before, but I didn't run yesterday because I had to drive to Louisville and get my new license stuff worked out, whatever. And I just didn't have time. And mid-afternoon, I sat down on the couch, like, I don't know, for just a few minutes, and I got so tired. And I found that if I don't do some sort of exercise in the morning, I just, mid-afternoon, I kind of crash. I just can't, I don't know what it is, you know. There was a, uh, there's a new Wheezy Waiter video and he's like working out for 700 days in a row and the effects of that. And he's talking to his trainer online and his trainer said, instead of taking naps, I exercise. And that just kind of like blew my oh. mind. Like, what if, what if I did that? Cause I take a lot of naps. Hmm. I never taken naps in my life until recently. And I guess it might have to do with the heat. Cause what I do is it's so hot. I'll go in my room, which I keep the air conditioner on if I know it's going to be a 90-degree day. So I have a place to go hang out, check my messages or whatever if I need a break. And lately, about three or four times a week, I'll go in my my bedroom and just lay down and check messages and just immediately fall asleep. Nothing to do with the age, just the heat. Probably has everything to do with the age. (laughs) And the the heat, yeah. It's a little of both. But mostly the heat. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just I can't believe I'm this old. We could talk about that when we get in the subject. <laughs> <laughs> so the other day, uh, my wife's birthday was this past weekend. And so we went out and we know some people who have a farm and it backs up to a river. And so we went to their river access and like played in the river and kayaked and fished and just kind of goofed around in this little section of river. And then... Uh, we came back from that, and she and I had bought these inflatable paddle boards. Like pre-COVID, we I was like, "Oh, look, a good deal!" So I bought these things at the beginning of winter. That's why it was a good deal. So we didn't use them, and then COVID hit, and then we just like never used them. So we've had them for several years now. So we decided to take these things out after a day on the river. We took these things out on a lake near here, and I was absolutely wiped out at the end of that day. It was one of those, like, I didn't exercise, but I definitely exercised throughout the day. And I slept really hard, really well. Then I woke up the next morning, and I did not bounce back the same way. Like, a few years ago, you know, if you if you work really hard, and you have a, and then you have a good night's sleep, and you wake up, and you're like, oh, man, that was good. I'm ready for another one. Mm. I woke up this time, and was like, oh, boy. <laughs> like, mm. I want to stay in bed for a very long time. It was different, you know? I guess that's the age. I don't know. Way too my age. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than being tired, what have you guys yeah. been up to? 
I've been working on uh, my big cup. It looks really good, actually. Total Boat <laughs> gave me this exterior flat paint, and this isn't a plug for Total Boat, but they're obviously so good to everybody. But it, the paint looks amazing. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see the Instagram post last night. It, I said, send me like a flat, semi-flat satin, just because I assume it might look like a cup. And I made the the cup primarily out of ribs and eighth-inch skinned MDF. And then on top of that, I gave it a layer of fiberglass mesh with three coats of resin. And then sand out the bumps and try and keep all the the kinks and the bubbles out as much as possible. I got them like 98% out. Then you can fix it up with sandpaper and then another coat of resin. And the texture comes through and it creates a how a styrofoam cup has a little bit of like a physical texture that you could just kind of see in the sheen of the light. Even though it's not the same exact texture, it is a texture. And because of the shape of it, your brain says, oh, that's a styrofoam cup because it just huh. plugs in the nearest texture it's used to seeing. And uh, the illusion works really good. It really came out nice. And today I pick up the decal. I had a local print, sh- a local sign shop print me up a, a vinyl of it. So I'll stick that on there. And there's a couple more details to do, and then I'll be ready. He, he gave me a big thumbs up last night, although it doesn't have the decal on it. We'll see once I make it through that hurdle. But then shipping, so I was like, <clears throat> I, I sent him the, the website for you ship. I was like, there's a lot of hustlers on here that are willing to bend over backwards for a couple thousand dollars. I said, Oh wait, what's U ship? I mean, I, I think I got it just from what you. Yeah, U ship is 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 like a is an auction site for people. You plug in anybody going from upstate New York to Miami, want to carry a load, has to be there by Friday, and then somebody right away will say three thousand dollars, and then if somebody uh-huh. else fits that parameters or is going that way, they might say I'll do it for two thousand dollars, and then wow. And then you yeah. pick the and then you know you look at the two thousand dollar guy he's got you know low ratings and you look at the three thousand dollar guy he's got high ratings one hundred percent high rate and then you got to make that decision which one you go with usually like guys that do that usually don't have bad ratings because they they know any any bad besmirch is just not going to be good for business so these we've had a few things shipped around the country with you ship and it's always been a good experience but you know you're basically you're opening up. You know, you're opening up a whole new relationship, new accounts, and everything. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's it's a bit of a commitment. Go ahead, Bob. Is is that a way to get a car shipped from? Yeah. Place to, well, I mean, yeah. yeah. It says shipping motorcycles, boats, and other large items. Anything. Yeah. Huh. That's okay. Not that I want to buy more cars. To be clear, <laughs> I don't. But that is uh, always been a thing about buying, looking for cars outside of my area. It's been like, well, what's, you know, it's going to cost like a million dollars to get it here. Surely someone has to like bubble wrap the car and put it on a plane. And I don't know. It just bubble seems wrap. like really complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it seems complicated to get a car. Gotta use you use those know, puffy, those puffy <laughs> things that come out of the machine at Amazon and then put it yeah. in a box. <laughs> those like air bubble things. But I've avoided looking farther out than kind of my regional area for vehicles just because it, you know, seemed like such a hassle. But it says right here. For, well, this is a different website. It's just an ad, but it says four ninety nine. Ship a car anywhere in the U.S. Well, I'll give you some parameters. I bought my little, I bought my little green Chevy truck off of eBay. It was in Arkansas, which is you know a little past the middle of everything here, and that was nine hundred dollars hand delivered by a guy with his own flatbed and everything. Truck was five thousand, and then nine hundred to have it delivered. It was like eight and change to have it delivered. And that was on U-Ship. 
And then my blue truck came from Minnesota. That was $2,500 I paid for the truck. And to have it brung here was $1,000 on a flatbed. Again, just a, a personal shipper that we found through a U-ship type of website. So getting a car anywhere in the United States is about anywhere between five dollars to $1,000. Five hundred to a thousand dollars. Five to a thousand. Yeah, that's five dollars to a thousand. Broad range. Yeah. So I, my Cadillac here, I paid a lot more to have it shipped here, only because I paid a personal guy, and I wanted him because he he knew the car personally. So I, I just kept saying, "How about this? How about this?" I ended up giving him more than two thousand dollars to have it brought here, but that was because he personally knew the car. He was the guy who had brought it to the guy who I bought it from 15 years previous, and he knew everything about it. I was like, if you do it, I'd feel more comfortable than I'd be, I'd be more comfortable. If some stranger shipped it, doesn't know the personality of the car or you know, have a personal mm-hmm. uh, sentimental attachment to it, you might not care. Speaking of, there's a square body that looks to be in really good shape mm. near me for sale. Mm-hmm. So it's a five, $5,000. Send me, yeah, a blank send me check. pictures. Okay. Because yeah. there's all types nice. of various, you know, it's like got them, need them, got them, need them. Like I see different mm-hmm. types of like bodies and shapes. I'm like, got it, need it, got it, need it. It's like trading <laughs> baseball cards. <laughs> I've resisted. You guys would be proud of me. I've resisted buying like four square bodies in the last few months. Wow. <laughs> Very proud. Yeah. So proud. Instead, he bought bandsaws. When was the last time no, he bought a bandsaw? <laughs> You're going to laugh. And, no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious because it seems like it's been a long <laughs> I'll time. I'll tell you in the after show what I actually did buy. Remind me. Oh, no. I didn't See, commit yet. I didn't put money down. <laughs> Jimmy is setting us up. He's like, I didn't buy four <laughs> to five trucks in the last month, which means yeah. that's okay for him to buy one in the one next One expensive couple weeks. one. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys know that I didn't kill anybody this week? Mm, <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> well, wait a minute. What? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what, what were we talking about a second ago? I don't know. What you what you were up to? I'll tell you later. It's it's. I don't want to. It'll be a whole show if I tell you what I do. We'll do it after. Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah, we do kind of have a topic. So it, it, by the way, whatever I, whatever the secret is that I'm going to say for the after show, it'll be out soon enough. So don't anybody worry. You'll hear about it. Oh, okay. Uh, speaking of, real quick before we get to David. So last week I mentioned um, I was curious why people listen, like what they're listening for to this show. And we got some really good feedback from patrons. Um, I'm not going to read them all, but thank you for all of that. Most people said that they really just enjoy listening to us be friends and us just kind of like, you know, catch up. And they feel like they're just sitting down with people. Um, it was a It was an interesting spectrum of feedback but it all kind of boiled down to like you know topics are fine but they don't tune in looking for a topic or anything they just like our meandering conversation so good because that's what we're good at i think <laughs> anyway thanks for the feedback thank you what, what episode is this by the way did you say the number this is 363 wow yeah are you old? That down? <laughs> we are so old anyway david what are you about to the piano project is pretty much done. I'm just mm. putting the final coats of finishes on it. It's uh, it's coming together really, really well. It's it's been a pain in the butt. There's all kinds of challenges to work around, and it's one of those projects where I couldn't just design it 
and then go make it. I had to kind of pull a piece off at a time and then make it and then just kind of design on the fly. And I don't really feel comfortable doing that. And so I didn't really know what it was going to look like when it's done, but it looks pretty good. I'm really, really happy with it. It's probably my favorite project so far. Wow. And uh, the it's one of those, if they don't, like, this is for my buddy Clay, who's an actual piano player. And if for whatever reason they don't like it, they can go back to the original. Every panel on there is removable. And most of the panels have to be removable. So you could tune it, change strings, or do whatever. We had a um, last Wednesday after the show, I had a guy come over and tune the piano. And he was not impressed at all with <laughs> with this piano or my work or my shop usually when somebody goes into my shop they're like whoa i did not expect to see yeah. this they just think they're going into a garage he was just like i'm here to tune the piano and that's it and didn't like i we finally got some conversation going but he really was not into the history of the piano what i was doing to it he just wanted to do his job hmm. and um you know, at, at one time I mentioned, like, I'm not a piano player. This is for a friend, I'm more of a guitar player. And he's like, oh, you should call my boss because he has all, we have all kinds of woods from old pianos that he just ends up burning. And a lot of it is like the the spruce that you would find on an acoustic guitar body and blah, blah, blah. And the funny thing is um, some of the insights of ports that I'm using for this piano came from that place. It's a place called Craig's Piano here in town. About four or five years ago, Craig's Piano posted on Facebook saying, uh, hey, woodworkers, we have some wood from old pianos. Come get it. I go there, and there's a bunch of uh, – I don't, I don't know the internal structures of pianos, but on the inside, there's like this four-inch by three-inch – looks like hickory, but it's not hickory. I don't really know what it is. Just like these beams, internal structures of a big grand piano. And I was like, oh, those will be those will be handy. And I thought he was giving this away. And he's like, well, make me an offer. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you're, <laughs> it didn't sound like that when you posted on Facebook. Yeah. But anyway, I made him an offer. And I've had these old posts in my shop for years. And I'm finally getting to use them on another piano, weirdly enough. Hmm. And every time, I don't know what it is. Everybody says hickory. It is not hickory. But it's really, really tight beach. grain wood. It might be really, beach. Might be, be it could be. Yeah, it's um, a type of wood used for old pianos, usually beech, birch, hornbeam, lime, juniper, pine, and spruce. Did you say lime? Huh. That's yeah. what it says here, L-I-M-E, or Tilia S-P-P dot. That's like the... Uh, oh, yeah. That's the computer. Yeah, those are all my favorite potpourri scents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, every time I cut into this board... Like, it just smelled like grandma's attic. Like, th- these boards were <laughs> yeah. so old. I love yeah. the smell of, of, a, of an old uh, of an old piano in the interior. Because uh, both Dan's, brother Dan and Cameron Dan before him, were like, yeah, that's hickory. And, like, hickory has a certain smell when you cut it. And it has a certain look to it. I'm like, it's not hickory. I can guarantee you that. And then every time I cut it, I, I want to smell hickory, but I just smell grandma's attic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's anyway, the candle that's like called Grandma's Attic, right? Oh, uh, yeah, that, I'm sure. Smell. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's pretty much done. It just needs to be a couple more coats of lacquer and then reassembled. And the owner, Clay, was supposed to come over on Friday to shoot the end of the video. Um, 
things have happened that might delay that. And so I don't know when we're going to be able to finish the video. I can't put this video out without him playing on it because that's like the the epic uh, that we're building up to this point where we reveal he has no idea what it looks like we're revealing it to him and uh the part of the stipulations of me doing this project was i get to do whatever i want i'm going to treat this as an art project because i remember when we were first talking about it he said my wife has some ideas and i said i appreciate that but if you really want me to do this I'm not taking any input. I'm going to treat it as an art project and you'll just get what you get. I didn't say it in a rude way, but that's how I, I I don't want clients basically. And, um, he's like, okay. And then a couple of weeks ago, uh, he's one of my racing buddies. He's at the race. He's like, my wife keeps bugging me. She wants it to see if you can stain it to match the, the colors of our, of our floor. And I'm like, I've got 300 videos up on YouTube. Not a single one of them shows me staining anything. I don't know how to stain. I've never stained a single project. Like it's made of walnut. It's got a dark look to it. It is what it is. Spray paint things. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Could you imagine if I spray painted or stained the the walnut piano? (laughs) But it's been. um, I usually play it, and we'll maybe we'll talk about this when we when we get into the fears. But I usually play it very safe. Like, if I plan out a project, I know exactly how long it's going to take. I know exactly what it's going to look like when it's done. And it just feels like that's my job. But when I do something like this, I have no idea how long it's going to take. It took two weeks longer than I ever expected. I didn't know what it was going to look like when I was done. And there were so many challenges. And I didn't know I was going to have to work around these various things. But the satisfaction factor of getting past all those is way greater than just designing a simple project, making it, and then moving on to the next one. So uh got over a couple of fears making this, and hopefully it encourages me to, to do more. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that um, it's been different because you kind of had to, like, do a piece at a time and work, you know, in sequence and stuff. And I'd never really thought about it. But I think I actually enjoy that type of work more. Hmm. Like I do a lot of planning and I do a lot of modeling to see what something's going to look like. But I'm always like it's handy to have a full 3D model and be able to take measurements and all that type of stuff. But it also feels kind of constrictive. You know, like uh, once I've got the model and I start using those measurements, I got to stick to those measurements and I can't deviate a whole lot. Whereas building a piece and then making something, measuring that piece to make the next one feels, I don't know. I don't know. I like that process a little bit more, I think. I wonder if my fear of working that way comes from just working at ad agencies all my life. Like you get, this is what the web, you get, you, you drop the mock-up of the website and then that mock-up gets to me and I have to make it look exactly like mm. that mock-up and there is no like designing on the fly and that is i think that's just carried over to to my woodworking and i have to have this complete design before i get started and it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way there can be a little there can be an adventure along the way yeah but the problem is i don't know how long those videos are going to take and not right. knowing that is really uh, gives me anxiety yeah you know, whenever I have an open-ended project, I usually say this, and it's because I'm kind of strict with my own personal schedule. I will say, by Friday, this will all be figured out. By mm, Thursday mm-hmm. night, it all has to be figured out. By Friday, I could tweak it. So I give myself, like, Thursday night, 
Everything has to be done. I don't know the answers yet, but the best possible answer that will come in under that timeline is going to be the answer. And I just trust the experience that I've had that I'll come up with something. Well, you know, we, I kind of did that. And that, that did kind of help. Last week while I was working on it, I was just doing a little piece at a time. I'm like, okay, this needs to be done by Friday. Because Rockler's a part of this video. And I, like, I, I need to have this to Rockler uh, by Friday. And that pushed me so far. We actually didn't get it done by then because it's more complicated than I thought. But at least having that little that little deadline really yeah. pushed me. I couldn't just put a piece on it, look at it, admire it, and think, okay, it's break time. No, it's put a piece on it. Let's move on to the next step. What I do, unfortunately, is I will say, okay, it might be like Tuesday. I'm like, by Friday, this has to be done. Like, for instance, I have to do a video for Weaver. And I have a good idea what I want to do, but I need to get to it. But knowing what I have to do, and then I just go do something completely different. And I let that bake in the subconscious I don't. Mm-hmm. I try not to think about it at all. It's almost like we're going to talk a little bit about fears, but it's almost like a fear of failure. So it's like, okay, I know what I need to do. I know when I need to have it done by. Let me go do something completely different. And once I'm okay with the deadline and I say to myself, no matter what happens, if I have to stay up all night and pull an all-nighter or two, I still have time. Let me go mow the lawn. And there's like some weird thing, this like mechanism that makes you just go do something completely different. Once you've come to terms with what has to happen on that other project where you're completely running out of time fast and you're like, all right, cool. Okay. All right. I've confronted this. I'm going to make that happen by Thursday. Let me go change the radiator in my truck. You know, whatever. Something that's completely unassociated (laughs) with it. And I do that and I do that. And that's why people think I'm nuts. It's it's little life hacks, whatever whatever (laughs) makes you get to the next point. Life hacks. Again. Life hacks again. Every episode. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is this is used nearly every tool. The, I think the only tools that I did not use for this project was the three D printer, the lathe, and the spindle sander. Like every, like I use the shaper, I use the CNC, I use a laser, I the table saw, the miter saw before it broke down. Which oh my, we should talk about that. <clears throat> Wait, what? My miter saw. My Festool Capex stopped working oh, a couple weeks right. ago in the middle of two projects. And I took it into a Electrical local, issue? Uh, I, I assumed it was brushes because it would try to power on and it would just kind of choke out and, and stop. And I took it to a local authorized dealer and they sent it out. And it's been a week and a half. And I called them yesterday and they're like, oh, yeah, Festool got back to us yesterday. It's going to be $700. And they li- she listed like six things that was wrong with it. And I, w- <laughs> I guarantee I, you, if you hit it with a hammer well before you brought it, then it would have worked fine. I don't uh, really, yeah. A pot, rubber mallet. Uh, just hit it yeah. with a rubber mallet and it, it'll go back to normal. I guarantee you. <laughs> I was just kind of, so a lot of people said it's usually this, this, or this, and Festool is pretty good about replacing it real fast and it's going to be less than you thought. Two people said it's going to be less than you thought. It's going to be $700. And I don't understand why things went bucks. wrong with it. Like, uh, What were the things that were wrong with Normal use, it shouldn't do anything wrong. I don't remember. I think I she said $700 and then my brain just started spinning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Wait, what? You went into you that zone the when the guy, like in uh, uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, when the guy just realized <laughs> yeah. he gambled everything away and he was like, get up from the table. 
you ever see that scene where the guy gets up from the table after losing every single yeah. thing? <laughs> That's I've seen that movie in a long time. I, I remember I had her I had her on speakerphone. My brother was over, and she just said that. And I was I think I was just making faces at him, like just mm. in complete shock. So, all the people <laughs> that tried to comfort me and said it's going to be less than you thought, you were wrong. Well, okay, so you're in that situation. You've got that price. You could spend seven hundred dollars on that saw. Or you could spend seven hundred dollars on a brand new saw. Like, what are you gonna? Oh, I, I mean, I I get it. I get it done. The Capex miter saw. It, it, this is a polarizing brand. I, I I realize that, but it has the best dust collection out of any miter saw in the world. Like, if every single shootout that is online rates them as the highest dust collection miter saw, and um, it really does a great job without you know building a shroud or or all of that and it does other things some miter saws can't like i can push mine up against the wall where most people need room behind it because the 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 sliding mechanism this one the bars are out front and so you don't have to have a big 40 inch depth for the saw to work the saw also has the capability of doing dados i don't use that feature very much but you can set the height of your blade and and run it like a um radio arm saw type thing and it's it's, it's an accurate saw I, I i probably sound like a fanboy and i'm no i mean everybody has reasons for their tools i was just curious if it was worth yeah that. and um i i want the saw i would huh. like if they said this is totally junk i would probably break down and buy the same model again hmm Oh, I'm getting a phone call. I that I have to take. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, it's, I'll just talk about. We can K-Pex. talk bad about his his saw while he's. K-Pex. I tell you, rubber mallet would have done it. I don't think it bad. The minute the trigger, the minute the trigger didn't work, I would have just grabbed the mallet and smacked it, and it would have <laughs> went right back to working, and it would have kept going. <laughs> the reason I was asking him that is because you know that compounding, like now he's going to have a twenty one hundred dollars saw. Yeah. And at what point does a tool like that become? Like, yeah, it does these things. He's not here to defend it, so I'm not really right. trying to find out. But, you know, at what point does, like, that good dust collection become mm. not 20 and $100 worth or whatever? But, I mean, I guess everybody has a tool like that that they're willing. I mean, I, I can say that for my Land Cruiser. It is not worth the money that I'm putting into it now, but I'm right. rebuilding just, the engine because I just want the thing. I want to have yeah. it. You know, so. We do it because we just get a little emotional attachment to certain things. I, I certainly spent a lot more money than I should have on lots of things, nearly everything. It's just a tear <laughs> and it's let's go with it. Let's, we, you, yeah. know, you, know, you know, the unknown is probably worse than what you know. But when it comes to electrical motors in general, in all my time and all my experience, and I guess I learned this from my dad, when an electrical motor stops working, almost, in my experience, nearly 98% of the time, you get a blower and you blow it out. Hmm. You get a compressor nozzle and you blow it out as hard as you can. And maybe sometimes you spray a little contact cleaner in there or even just WD-40. You got to be careful. Sometimes it will go on fire from the sparks, but it'll burn out quick. But you clean the contacts, you blow it out really good. Maybe whack it with a rubber mallet and it starts again. <laughs> Nearly every single time. Even when you hmm. find an old motor that might have been sitting in the rain for you know, some bad storage unit or something. Yeah. You get it. Loosen it up, get it spinning freely, spray some oil in it, and then it works. But in hmm. this, in his case, if it's if it's a motherboard or an electronics thing, because I know nowadays, I, and I complained about it with the car, everything has a soft start, a slow stop, 
a delay. Uh, yeah. You know, if it unplugs while it's triggered, you know, it reset. You know, so that's all electronics. And if any of that stuff gets fried or decides to be defective, that's a whole another problem that won't be fixed by anything but a replacement part. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, for me, I have been up to reorganizing my shop. I realized a couple weeks ago that <clears throat> it's been like the last year or so. I got the Carmagia, started working on that. So I was out of the shop and then I took it out to the farm. So I've been working out there a whole lot. And then we bought the building. So I've been there and we've been doing a lot of projects there. And I really have not worked in my shop that much over the last year. And so if I have, it's like we go in and we do a project and then leave. And the mess is still there. And then I go back and I like tidy up for the next project and then make a bigger mess, you know. And so the other week I walked in and looked at it kind of with fresh eyes. I'm like, good grief. <laughs> like This is terrible. Now, this entire section, it's a large room. It's a large shop. And I had an entire section that's like a single car garage area that was just unusable because of the amount of clutter and, you know, sheet goods that are stacked up and everything. So I came up with an idea for a new storage system for sheet goods, which actually works really well and is very simple. But uh, so spent a couple of days building this you know, new storage thing, and it holds a ton of material, which is great. And then it has faces on the sides of it that I can, and now, that was last week, and that video will come out this week, but now I'm building on the side of it, you know, clamp storage and just trying to take advantage of all the vertical surfaces to make the most of, of that space. But the shop is, like, transforming now, now that I'm actually, like, getting clutter put away and organized, and um, so it's it's kind of reinvigorating, you know, to have a space that all the It's so nice is, to go into a space that's organized. Yeah, and it's more usable. And I immediately think like, oh, now I have room to do... Th- I don't have to move stuff out of the way to use this table and, anymore. And So it's pretty exciting. I'm hoping I can do some more... I'm trying not to, like, overload the organization projects, but now that I've started on this, like, fixing it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could do one right there, and I could build yeah. a thing right here to hold this, and, like... You know, people like them, but at the same time, if you do a whole bunch of them in a row, you know, may lose interest. So, yeah. I figure out how to spread those out. But so yeah. I'm improving the shop, which is nice. Um, I did have how a couple you, things. I was going to say, how how are you finding uh, having extra sets of tools by being at the shop that's on the street, that's on the, in the commercial district versus the house? Uh, you guys find yourself running back and forth a lot. Like, uh, how many miles apart are you? They're not very. It's just a few miles from yeah, each. Yeah, same in my shop. But it's like I find myself half the day going, "Oh, I got to go get a battery. I left sitting out." Yeah. Well, so I I decided to just duplicate. You know, I use Dewalt tools, so I just duplicated the basic set at all three locations. So the batteries are the same. I can take more if yeah. I need one direction. I've got like a circular saw, a drill and driver. And a couple other little things at each place. So, the, you know, the basics are covered. And at the building, we have the big CNC, so we don't really need to do... We don't need a whole lot of other tools. Out at the farm, most everything is car-related stuff. Yeah. And there's, like, a chainsaw and stuff out there. You know, it's a slightly different set of tools, but um, we we only have to run back and forth if there's something specific that we're making. Right. So, And I think over time, that'll probably... 
each one will get its own tool set even more. I think I'll, I don't want to have to move things back and forth too much, but yeah, of course. I don't know. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> but a couple things I wrote down that I wanted to make sure that I brought up is we, all three of us, are going to be at Maker Fair in Louisville, and this is September 10th. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you two guys are coming down before or after sometime, and we're going to mm-hmm. hang out, shoot some stuff, and then mm-hmm. we are going to be at the fair on that Saturday. It's a one-day-only fair on a Saturday, so we're going to be there doing a live podcast, I think. And maybe some other stuff. I don't know what all we're doing, but we're going to be there for the day. Uh, and there's not a lot of maker fairs anymore, so if you're in the area, this would be a good one to come to. Come we're say hello. Be there. That's in September. And a couple weeks before that, I will be at Silicon. And that's uh, like a Comic-Con thing. It's called Silicon with Adam Savage. And so it's his con. And it is in Silicon Valley. So I think it's in San Jose specifically. But... It's pretty cool. This year they're doing, uh, they have the normal Comic-Con stuff with like costumes and, you know, like famous people from TV shows and writers and stuff like that are coming to give talks. But then they're putting a makerspace right in the middle of the whole thing. And so there's a, it's a pretty good size makerspace with a bunch of stations. Uh, So they're fixing cosplay problems. You know, if somebody's costume is falling apart, they can go there and have it fixed by another maker. When is stage. this? When is the date of this? This is late August. Oh, <laughs> Sometime. Up. I don't know exactly when it is. I should know that because I'm going to be there. It is August 27th and 28th. And I'll put links to both of these in the show notes if anybody wants to check them out. But I'm going to be there doing a talk and probably being a part of. They're going to do some cool like. Um, different makers from YouTube are going to get on stage together and they're going to give each of us a box of stuff. And we have like a certain amount of time to make something with everything in the box. So it's kind of like a maker battle thing. I think it'll be fun. Um, there's other people. Simone is going to that be gives there. Me so much Bill anxiety. Dran. Yeah, me too. But, it, but I, I'm trying to look at it like I do like a box of Legos, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. like, Oh, like this will be fun. What can I just make useless, silly out of this box of stuff? I don't know what's going to be in it, but. So they're going to do that. There's going to be some like contests and different things. But I think it's going to be a really cool combination of a maker event and a Comic-Con together. Um, And they asked me to be a part of it, so I'm going out for that. So if you're going to be at either one of those, look out for us because I think they'll both be good times. Uh, I think that's what I got, what I've been up to. So, Jimmy, you got a topic for us. Serious, serious topic. Well, I, I said before we started, would, would it be interesting if we talked about what are some of our biggest fears <clears throat> and what, you know, what are those things that get your heart ro- ra- ra- racing and what do you do about it? And I find personally, I mean, there's fears of like drowning and fears of, I mean, one of my biggest fears is a fire. Are we taking, yeah, are we taking out the like, you know, people losing people we love, that kind of baseline. Of course. I mean, uh, yeah, of course. Okay. But like fears in general that like day to day you worry about, like, for instance, I'm okay. constantly worried about a fire. So I literally in the middle of the night get up and come down here to make sure that there's not on fire because there's no, there's no fire detection in this particular room. But, you know, I'll just peek out the window and be like, okay, I don't see a fire in the woods. Okay, good. You know, stupid stuff like that. But in general, working with this particular client, I've kind of voiced a little bit of a uh, 
dissatisfaction dealing with another type of client. So there's that spectrum of like worrying about fires and knowing that I just welded in the last few hours, making sure I left everything neat and clean and, you know, safe versus me sending a picture to a client and the client coming back without anything less than positive and then my heart begins to race and I start to feel that, mm. oh yeah, this is that anxiety I dealt with like 10 times a day when I was doing client work before YouTube kicked in. And I start realizing like I could move away from that. I don't necessarily need that. But then also there's mm. the healthy, let me dig into this. Let me deal with this. Let me, let me confront this and deal with it. And it's just, everything's a negotiation. Not everybody's going to always win. You know, client work is just a negotiation and, and ex- managing everybody's expectations. And I, I think I said last night, he's like, what are the chances this is going to be down where I need it by Friday? I'm like, it's Wednesday. It's two days from now. It's got to go 3,000 miles. I, I don't know how it's going to happen. You know, I, so me just flat out confronting it and dealing with it. And you know, then also the fear of, of getting to another hurdle with the boat. And I have to recognize the fear of like, okay, I'm so excited. I got it started. I'm closing up the hull. But when I get to the hull, there's a new set of design decisions to make. And why am I afraid of that? Why am I stalling? Why am I noticing that I'm not working on the boat as much? And, you know, there's like little fears like that and trying to figure them out versus big fears and trying not to let those big fears paralyze you like, well, you know, I'm digging, like, for instance, another fear, I'm digging into the, the backhoe. And having the backhoe, I made it, I said it in my post, it's like having a baby elephant that needs certain type of medication and certain type of food. It's a complicated pet to have a giant backhoe like I have here. And knowing that I'm treading into waters of unknown complicated mechanical fixes and unknown electrical fixes and unknown engine fixes... And solely dealing with it. And the funny thing is, is this week I, I'm trying to figure out where there's a major hydraulic leak somewhere. There's hydraulic fluid all over everything. And so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to confront this and figure out what the problem is. I'm just going to confront it. And I'm going under the machine. I'm washing it off so I could see where the leak starts from because it gets everywhere. And I'm tracing it back to where everything gets wet, where it wasn't wet. And I trace it all the way back to the cap. And I'm talking to Rob Rojas. And Rob Rojas says, you know, I said, I go, well, I, I topped it off. He goes, you're not supposed to top it off. The hydraulic system needs room for the hydraulic fluid to empty out into. So when it goes away, it needs like room to expand and contract. I was like, hmm, that makes perfect sense. And there's a sight glass on the side of the tank, which is at least 20 inches from the top. And it says fill up to the sight glass. But the sight glass is so dirty, I just ignored it and filled it all the way to the top. So every time I'm using the machine, it's spitting and sucking hydraulic fluid. <laughs> <laughs> out of the cap. So based on Rob's recommendation, he goes, why don't you take some of the hydraulic fluid out, knucklehead? So I bought a pump and I sucked it all the way down till it finally showed up in the sight glass. I pulled three gallons of hydraulic fluid out of the system. <laughs> oh that, and I can't imagine, I probably pumped two gallons into this roadbed. Yeah. So there you go. So that fear was squished. But the whole time I'm trying to be like, okay, whatever it is, I'll just fix it. Whatever it is, I'll fix what I can. I'll hire somebody to fix what I can. So it's just this idea of managing fear and not letting fear dictate your day to day. I mean, there are some people and I, I talk to fans all the time that are afraid that they're going to have catastrophic failure in business or catastrophic failure in a tool, for instance, Dave, you're dealing with dealing with the the, the, the tool breaking. Um, you know, and then my my ever 
my ever ready ongoing fear, and this will be the last thing of getting injured when I'm alone. That's something that I'm always afraid of. Like when I'm under the backhoe the other day and before, I'm underneath it looking for the leak, literally underneath it, I'm like, okay, this thing could roll right across me and wouldn't even slow down. So I get out, I put the stabilizers on the ground, I put the bucket on the ground. That's basically the parking brake for those things. But I have to, every once in a while when I'm alone, I, I have to immediately go through the checklist of things the way I can get severely injured. So, okay, uh, this, that, uh, okay, okay, cool. All right, let me make sure if I make myself aware of those three to five things, then I'm just super cautious. You know, you don't want to wrench on a wrench super hard when you're alone. It could slip, you could fall, you know, and a chain reaction could begin. You could be upside down, you know, banging your head on the corner of a table nearby. So these types of things are constantly dictating decision, 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 decision. But I think that right there is important. So it's... Like, it's fine to be, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. It's fine to be afraid of things. It's fine. It's natural to, like, have realistic and even unrealistic fears about things. As long as you can figure out a way to temper those with some sort of a solve, right? Like that right there, you having a checklist for, all right, if I know that this is dangerous, I know that there, I'm afraid of what potentially could happen. So I've built a checklist of precaution, Right. And you're going to do your due diligence to have everything covered as much as you know and, and as you right. can before you do that. I mean, and I think the problem is when somebody's afraid of something and then they go, screw it, let's just go for it without doing that checklist. <laughs> right. And then they're just like, you know, I'm going to fight the fear. No, <laughs> like that's when you get hurt. That's when you right. don't take those precautions that you could take a couple of minutes to do. And I have to do that with the car. Because it all feels very new to me, and I'm very, I I definitely have been afraid, like physically afraid. Like, this could hurt me. This could, I could That's ruin the car. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you you're know? alone with the car working, all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you could you could literally, like, cut a vein and yeah. be bleeding but I profusely. Have, I, and, I've, and then at the I've same time, myself, trying to figure out how to get yourself out of that situation. You know? I've found myself several times going, oh, just screw it. Let's just go for it. No, 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 no. Like, there's nothing good that would come out of that. It's going to be rushed. It's going to be wrong. It's going to be – there's no benefit in charging into something like that without taking that minute to think about worst-case scenario and, you know, how you would fix it, how you would stop a vein from bleeding out, how would you mm-hmm. would, you know, any of that type of stuff. Just give it a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to, you know, balance the, the fear that you have of things with some sort of a kind of plan or some reality or some best-case scenario thought, you know, to – be realistic about it, but um, so I think that's a that's a good thing that you've done there with getting under the car is like taking that minute or getting under the backhoe. Yeah, talking about getting injured, as far as being a fear that we should a healthy fear we should be aware of. I'm beginning to recognize now at my age all the various times and the the right recipe for when I've been seriously injured. In the shop. And mm. when I say seriously injured, obviously when I cut my finger on the table, so but other like deep cuts on my fingers or, you know, I literally slipped my wrist once when I slipped with a um, mm. with a, a, a knife. And when I went to the hospital, I had to like, my father was with me. I had to let the doctors know that I was not suicide because I literally slit the wrist right where a suicide person would do it because the knife slipped. And I was 15 years old. <clears throat> And I went right through. It didn't cut the vein, thankfully, but it was a pretty serious injury. It took about six or eight stitches to close it. Mm. But the point I'm making is I'm starting to recognize all 
the environment, the certain mentality, the certain sense of relaxation, the certain sense of I'll be fine, I'm not worried about this, where all of a sudden, boom, I slip and I'm, I have a deep cut in my hand or whatever. Or I have something in my eye. You know, a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. I, a little piece of hot metal burns right where you would, if I was Johnny Depp, I'd have to stop putting eyeliner on that section of my eye because that's exactly <laughs> where I got burned. <laughs> right where Johnny Depp puts eyeliner on his eye. This hot chip from the lathe went through my glasses. It came up under my glasses and stuck to my mm-hmm. eye, the edge of my bottom eyelid, right? And I talked about it on, on the Fitzall podcast. And the pain that went through my body was enough, like, if I wasn't, I don't know, it could have made me faint. The amount of, like, severe Mm. pain, if, like, somebody takes, like, the head of, of like, a little tiny push pin that you would pull out of a a dress shirt after you buy it, heat that up and stick it on the edge of your eyelid. You will faint from the pain of it. Anyway, (laughs) moving (laughs) on. But that's the type of thing, like, you you get in a moment's notice where you don't realize it. Long story short, I'm getting off... I'm getting sidetracked. The idea is I'm starting to recognize the recipe for when I might get hurt when I'm alone and the type of things I'm doing and the relaxation. And I'm being like, so more often than not, I'm checking myself at that checklist. And again, there's another example, and I'll let you guys talk and I'll shut up. The other day, we have a giant pile of garbage. We had a neighbor over at the flea market building shop. And the neighbor left a giant pile of garbage. She was, they were flea market people and they just left. They, they got kicked out. They lost their rent and they got kicked out. They left the giant. So I'm throwing all that stuff in a dumpster. And it's like old dressers and stuff. And I'm breaking it apart with, a, with an axe. And big glass window breaks while I'm breaking it. It wasn't intending on breaking that window. It was something near something. And I was, it was like one in the morning. I'm cleaning up every night a little bit. And I said, I have to be careful because if this piece of glass could cut me i need to be careful so just another one of those moments where i'm like thinking everything's cool all i'm doing is throwing garbage away but there's a potential for serious injury that's it david what about you i don't have a lot of those deep dangerous fears that jimmy has i think i um maybe because i have those a fear of danger that I just avoid dangerous situations quite a bit. Um, my fear is, it's just kind of, I think my biggest is just losing what I've built up. Like, it feels like I can't do this job forever. Mm-hmm. I can't all right. Like this is temporary. I have a fear of one day I'm going to have to fill out applications and, and make a resume and, and go get a job. That's, Maybe that's silly, but that's one of my biggest fears. I felt like I've spent a lot of time building this up, and that's a legitimate fear. I think that yeah. all the time. You know, when the, when you start getting the red arrows, I'm always like, "All right, well, this is it. now. I got to go start building big cups for bars again." Jimmy's referring to uh, YouTube gives you feedback of how your latest video is doing, and it's a green arrow. Or a red arrow. Yeah, yeah. If it's a green arrow, you're like, oh, cool. I can have a good Sunday. I'll go get coffee. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a red um, arrow, you start thinking about what your next job's going to be that's not YouTube. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the analytics that YouTube gives you is great, but it also, uh, I don't know that it's very good for your mental health because it really yeah, just encourages It should encourages say you. in the analytics section, it's time to go get a new job. It should actually say that in the <laughs> analytics section. Like, it's like, how's my video performing? Not good. You should really consider doing something right. different. That's what it should say in the analytics page. <laughs> huh. 
Uh, yeah. So, um, and I, you know, like for a while now, I've kind of had this this feeling like I'm coasting. And when you when you coast, eventually you come to a stop. So I got to figure out how to get out of this coasting phase and 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 ramp things up and 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 think about the future and 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 do bigger and and, and better things. And I know everything that I need to do. I am just so stuck in my ways, and I just I just got to figure out how to get how to get unstuck you know well, just, Dave if it makes you feel any better just before I was trying to test my microphone before you got on with me and Bob and I opened YouTube cold in Chrome and your video of the engine was the first thing that popped up yeah that video has gone bonkers I yeah. put it it's, it's the video on my second channel and it's uh you know it hit a million views in like a a, wow. a month or so and um it's just done done really well and I'm going to disappoint so many people. So there's a lot of comments saying, oh, this video is great. Subscribe. Can't wait for more. And I'm not going to post more engine building, <laughs> go-kart stuff. Like the next video is going to be so completely different. Um, but the second channel is more of like non-woodricking stuff. And I want to keep the, the main channel is going to be more towards entertainment, art, woodworking stuff, me building stuff. And the second channel is anything that doesn't, doesn't, um, fall in there, and the reason is, is uh, there's a I'm I want to build an audience who likes this particular stuff, and that particular stuff is going to go on this channel. If I if I would have put that engine build on my main channel, I would have brought in a, a whole bunch of new subscribers, probably even more than 1.1 million views. But I would have brought in an audience that doesn't care about the stuff that I want to do as, as far as woodwork and so that's the reason for the two channels and why there's kind of a throwaway channel and so uh yeah that that's that's bonkers that that video took off and mm. it's it's a it's a long kind of boring video of building an engine but people really really dig it so um yeah i just gotta one I, million, I know what i gotta 500 do 500 views sorry one yeah, million thank one you million. yeah one million one one point one million five seven about it's funny that I think my three most popular videos, this should probably tell me something, but I don't care. My three most popular videos, nothing to do with woodworking. It's it's hmm. that video, the engine build video. There's a screen printing video, which millions of views. Yeah. And then there's um, brazing aluminum, which like, and, and that screen printing video and the, the, the aluminum you know, I welding in quotes, they still get so many views now. And like when I look at my monthly analytics, those are in the top. Like hmm. it keeps getting shared and they're old, they're old videos. I see a third channel. Dave doesn't do woodwork. <laughs> and um, all brazing all the time. The drunken non woodworker. Yes, there you go. All, all brazing all the time. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, well, my, my biggest so, fear is losing what I have. Well, I mean, but at the same time, <clears throat> you have historically, as long as I've known you, have been making pivots. Like you'll you'll get down one path and it's going really well and you're like, I think you're afraid that it's going to burn out. So you make a pivot and you do something mm -hmm. different. I mean, do you think that's the – I assume that's why you do that. Yeah. 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 It's, so, uh, I mean, it, don't you think that, that that method would carry forward and you just of continue course. to pivot here and there? You of know. course, it doesn't take away the fear. Like I know exactly yeah, well, what what I'm gonna do. You know, I'm I know what I need to do. I know what I'm gonna do next. But there's still a fear. 
yeah. you know, anytime you. I'm not as afraid of that type of outcome because, I mean, I obviously have all this overhead and whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't make me nervous to lose it for some reason. I'm not afraid of that. If, you know, God forbid I should lose my ability to earn, it, it doesn't scare me as, as much as some of the other things I talked about. Dealing with an un, with dealing with an unruly client is more of a fear than going completely broke. I I get that for sure. Um, it's like, funny. What would I do if like this was taken away from me? Like, what job would I apply for? I build up some skills. I can do woodworking. I could do client stuff. I could do video editing. I could probably do do social media management. Like what? Like what path would I go if I had to? Mm. If I had to go apply somewhere. I don't know. The problem with all of us in general is that we've all acquired and stacked so many skills. To have to pick one of them and do it would be so boring. Yeah. One thousand percent. Well, but at the same time, imagine this is not at all why we were talking about this. But imagine (laughs) that if any of us lost our ability to do what we do now, it all got taken away for whatever. We have all of those skills still in our brain and think of the consultancy we could have for someone else who was trying to start doing what we're doing. Mm. You know what I mean? So let's make a pact. If we all happen to lose our ability to do this at the same time, we start a company together that just consults for other people who want to do what we do. And there we, we go. Help them do it. There we go. To, you two would have to get hit by an asteroid. We could now. We could just like as we get old, er, we could then just become like the old council of people who help other mm-hmm. people who are younger. We would you wear know, dark hoods. And we should call it that. They would have for to sure come too. to the council. Yeah. <laughs> I have thought many times over over the years, like, I, I see these, these you know, these young bands, they form and they make great music, but they don't they don't get anywhere. I'm like, mm-hmm. why do you not just, like, do a, a weekly vlog on YouTube or live streams of you practicing or performing? Like, I, there's so much opportunity for bands to get out there. Like, And I thought... I'm just going to manage one of these bands one day and I'm just going to, mm. you know, I'm going to make them famous and rich. Um, I mean, I'm not, and, and I don't, <laughs> I don't have the skill to do that, but yeah. I think like there's so many missed opportunities. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, we, uh, I'm all, I'm all, I'll, uh, I'll start the LLC for this new consultant company here. Okay. And we'll have to go back and listen to what I said for the name. Cause that should definitely be it. The, even the though it's council. a little long, but <laughs> the Council of Old Men to Want to Help Younger People Do Good at Their Jobs. Dot LLC. Perfect. All right. Um, so I think for me, mine are probably overlap a lot with what you guys have already said, but I do have some other ones as well. <clears throat> I have, um, I think a lot of mine center around my responsibility to other people. So like, you know, with having kids and a wife, I have definitely done my best to prepare for them if something were to happen to me. But I still fear, you know, if something were to happen to me, like they're left without, without a husband, without a father, that kind of a thing. And those are important parts of a person's life. And so that's a fear that I can't do anything about. It's not something that I could really prepare for. You know, I can't have like an alternate husband and an alternate father waiting in the wings in case something happened to me for them. Um, but you know, that is a a fear of like, of if I'm not there to do my part in their life, then it won't be done. So that's a fear. I think the same thing kind of do what? That's legit. 
Um, I think the same thing goes with the people that I work with. They have, I don't look at them as just people who took a job because I know all of them. I, I know who they are, what they want and why they're doing this job. They don't have to do this job. <clears throat> so I have a responsibility to them to provide them a job. They do their job well. They earn their job. They should have the job that they have. They should have the money that I pay them. It's not a question of that. So my responsibility to them is to continue to have that job available for them and for them to have stuff creatively to do and to, you know, to be able to do what they were made to do well. And that lands on me. I take a lot of, uh, I feel that. I feel that responsibility. So I think one of my fears constantly is that I'm going to run out of being able to, not run out of, I don't know. I'm going to run out of being able to provide them with a job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily just like if the company went away and they lost their jobs. It's also that they are going to have meaningful things to do at their job. I don't want anybody to just like, well, I got a more video to edit. You know, oh, I got to post another thing to social media. I don't want that. Do you have a fear of running out of ideas? I'm joking, Um, but not really. (laughs) I mean, I think everybody has that fear. Mm -hmm. I go through phases of that fear. Uh, that would be an entire subject, I think, that mm-hmm. we should talk about at some point because it mm-hmm. is a, a pretty big conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I'm going to write that down because I actually want to come back to that. <clears throat> running out of ideas. The bigger thing that I'm worried about is running out of time. Mm. Very big. Um, and it's inevitable. And we could take the show really deep if we want to. But I know that we're all going to run out of time. <clears throat> I know that we're going to run out of capability before we run out of ideas and things that we're interested in. I know, uh, I mean, for myself, like, I know that my body will give up before my mind does. I know that I will run out of the ability to work on a project before I want to be able to run, you know. So it's inevitable that we're going to not be able to do all of the things we want to do forever. But then I look at your grandfather. Your grandfather, he's 100, right? He will be in eight days. Still doing the thing that he wants to do. And maybe he's not doing everything that he's always wanted to do at that age. My grandfather wasn't. But he's still doing a thing. And that's Mm -hmm. awesome. So, you know, I I do have to recognize that, you know, eventually we're going to run out of time to do all the things that we want to do. But it is, at the same time, motivation to, in the meantime, just make it as good as possible. Make it as much as possible. Do the things. And and I'm not just talking about projects. I'm talking about life in general. Mm-hmm. You know, um, to to be real honest, like, I've had a fear of the kind of entropy of life since the beginning. Since I was a kid, I always looked ahead at, like, old people and, like, man, that's not cool. <laughs> like, we're all going to get there one of these days. It all feels like it's kind of downhill, and you can take that one direction. You can be like, well, okay, I guess we should just give up now. Or you can say, like, I'm going to fight to the very end to have the life that I want to do as much as I want, to be as creative as I want, and cover all the bases that I want, and all those things before I get to that point where I can't. And I've been having that conversation <clears throat> with myself, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think it's natural. I mean, it, it, the place in, yeah, the place in life we are, the kind of midlife thing where you start to realize your own mortality and it really mm-hmm. sets in and you see 
people around you start to, especially the generation ahead of you, our parents, you start to see them get slower and do uh, a different type of thing than they used to do. And, you know, I think that's pretty natural. David, were you going to say something? I just, I remember just being younger and, you know, you think the, the older people, they weren't cool. At least this is for me. Like the, the, the cool people were, were rock stars, people in their 20s, you know, yeah. uh, being on stage. And now as I'm 47 years old, my the people I look up to most are older or even mm-hmm. the people that aren't here anymore, like who still inspire me. They did their best work in, in older age. Like uh, I now think old people are are cool i look at yeah. grandpa or jimmy and those those, 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 <laughs> those people are my heroes hi jimmy oh that was I'm just, great i'm just having fun but no i mean like i i, I really do uh this the 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 older generation maybe i just was blinded by this earlier but the older generation is the coolest generation of, of people still like making stuff like you know some of my favorite designers are ray and charles eames and they did mm. their best work and they're like in their 60s like maybe i'm gonna do my best work in my 60s my grandpa didn't find his purpose until he was in his 80s like how you know it's there's so much potential and i do want to go back just a little bit and you're talking about uh you know having the people work for you and and and, and the fear with that my the the best jobs that i had where i worked for somebody else um were amazing stepping stones to being even bigger. So even if, like, even if I like to make stuff was is not here 10 or 20 years from now, all of those people that are working for you are going to be like, I had this amazing opportunity. I learned so much, and it put me in a position to do this and this and this. So mm. all good jobs put you in a position to do something even bigger and better. That's a good point. I have heard before that, like, the best kind of leadership is – leading people to outgrow you. Yeah. <clears throat> Something to that effect where yeah. you're trying to build people up so that they will step out of the opportunity you've given them into something better. You want them to move on, right? Like you that's want your kids a, that's to get exactly out of That's exactly what I would always want. I would want somebody yeah. to be smarter than me and better than me. Yeah. Pass through me. I, I, um, as far as like the running out of time thing, I think the more practical part of that fear for me is taking on too many long-term projects that I won't ever finish. You know, like I, and this doesn't mean anything. Like it doesn't necessarily reflect anything on the future, like on my kids or anything. But I, I would hate to have, (laughs) to like take a car, take the Carmen Ghia, rip it apart. It's flattened out all over an entire room. It's in a million pieces. And then something happens to me. Because somebody has to go into that room and be like, well, this used to be a car and now it's garbage because nobody knows how it is supposed to go back together. Nobody knows what to, nobody cares about it the same way that I did, which is understandable. But like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be the, the, the dad that left like a bunch of garbage, a bunch of like, like not even started projects, just the pieces of started projects for my kids to figure out what to have to do with and my wife to figure out what to have to do with. Like, that's kind of a bummer. And that's inevitable. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, leave all finished projects but you know it's what if i found like my, my dad who's no longer with us like what if i found out that he had a project that he started and then didn't finish 
and yeah. I came across that. Like that would sounds make, like the beginning of a movie. It, yeah, right. That that could be you know, and you hear about this, especially with cars all the time. Like this was yeah. a project car so and so was working on, and now some stranger gets it, but they now have this car car that has a story attached to it, and so it's even more meaningful than just finding something that you know was in the backyard of your, yeah. of your neighbor's house. So, um, I, I that's a that's a that's a fear of leaving a mess for other people to yeah. clean up but it yeah. also you could be leaving a story of the beginning of a new story I, like I think one or two sure my fear is that i have <laughs> way too many <laughs> yeah. and they're like oh look a whole bunch of stories i have to clean up you know It'll yeah. be the, that, the auction house will come in and go the crazy youtuber auction starts today at six <laughs> <laughs> crazy dead youtuber yeah so i mean oh, that's your title that's, right there yeah crazy oh, dead youtuber <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's pretty much what I have. I think I think it's the for me I it, it's it's inevitable stuff that, you know, we can't just like there's no amount of preparation that's going to stop you from eventually being gone. You know? Yeah. Uh that but I do fear what I guess what I leave behind that it's responsible. I guess that's the that's the thing that I fear. leave a responsible mess. Yeah, I mean, I think there probably is a way to do that, you know, where you have interests and you have things um, that are in different stages, but you can leave it in a way that's that somebody doesn't feel overwhelmed when they have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what I want, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's what I got. Speaking of running out of time. <laughs> we have run out of time. <laughs> what a great segue. Good job. Um, well, you guys have any th- any other thoughts on the the fear thing? Well, I, to, just to, just to sum it up for me, I think knowing and identifying those things that make your heart race, knowing and identifying those things that keep you from avoiding things, and you're not really understanding why you're not going back to that project again. Knowing mm-hmm. and understanding or identifying that moment where you're like, "Hmm, I haven't changed the carburetor on that car that I wanted to do three months ago because." I really don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And I thought I did, and I thought I wanted to, but now that it's sitting in the box on top of the hood and I haven't touched it because I really don't want to do it because I don't know what I'm doing. Let me open a YouTube video. You know, identifying those little moments. I, I was all excited to order this carburetor. It came in the box, and I haven't opened the box yet because I don't, I don't want to screw it up. I won't screw it up. But, you know, these it's varying degrees of fear of, like, installing a part wrong is not a big deal. Getting injured when you're alone, trying to clean garbage up at one in the morning and no one's around. Yeah, that's a healthy fear of, you know what, maybe I should yeah. do this when there's people around or should an OCD about this at one in the morning when it's time to go to bed. Yep. <clears throat> cool. David, any last thoughts? I think Jimmy summed it up pretty darn good. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let me thank our Patreon supporters because they're awesome. We got a whole bunch uh, over there. We had a few new ones this week again. And so big thanks to everybody for jumping in to support the show. It does mean a lot. It really, really does mean a lot. Uh, we're grateful to have you all. And everybody over there at every level gets the after show, which is after this show. That's why we call it the after show. And uh, it's a separate podcast, separate feed that you get through Patreon, so you can only get it if you are a Patreon supporter. So if you want to join and get that extra 20 you know, minutes, 15, 20 minutes of show, go to patreon.com slash making it. Join at any level. We would appreciate it. Our top supporters over there 
are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Rich at Lowen Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Full Steam Designs, Scott Orem, Warren Works, Michael Menegin, which he sent us a message to say that I said it correctly last week. Ooh, I probably nice. just didn't say it correctly this week because I couldn't remember how I said it last <laughs> time, but I got it right once. And also Gretchen Hoffer. Uh, big thanks to everybody over there. You're you're very we're we're very thankful. You're very awesome. So, um, all right. You guys got anything to recommend this week? Yeah, Blake Weber, who has this amazing oh, woodworking channel. Oh yeah, good old, uh, good old Blake. The Rainbow Cabinet. Have you guys seen oh. this? Oh no, yes. I haven't seen it. I saw the picture. Oh. I haven't watched the video. Yeah, it's it's um it's an amazing journey. I think it took him like seven, eight months to to make this cabinet because it has all these bends in there, and um it is it is phenomenal, and this deserves to be seen. And he, uh, even in the video, he's like month one, month two, month three, and it's it's just a it's just great build, great build. He does some really some great stuff. He's a good guy too. Um, hung out with him at several different events. He's got an excellent mustache. <laughs> That's Jimmy, the quality. That, 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 th- th- those are the things Bob looks for in, in, in people. That's right. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing. Mustache. That's the kind of thing you want on your tombstone, you know? Right, right. Father, husband, excellent mustache. Yes. <laughs> so I'm going to do two recommendations. One kind of falls in line with, uh, well, each extreme of what we talked about. One is uh, Mark Rober on Kimmel. Did you guys get a chance to see that? Yes, he did such a good job. He was amazing. He was so <laughs> he was. good at it. Like It was funny. He's like, nobody knows who I am and nobody knows why I'm here. But he went on to do a great thing. He really is really, 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 really He's also going to be at Hot Ones. Yeah. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Mark, it's Mark's moment to shine and you know, go support yeah. Mark Rober. And um, then there's another thing at the opposite extreme of you know what life hands you is uh, this is a channel I follow. I mentioned them somewhere. I might have mentioned them here. Mir, Mir Malik, he's a, he was an up-and-coming rapper in Philadelphia that got shot six times, and I started following his Instagram, and he's a gunshot survivor. And he, it's, it's, it's funny because he came to my attention. I saw a thing about him on Sean King's Instagram, and it's gunshots. Obviously, it's a big deal right now. It's People don't always completely die, or you don't end up as like a – evading bullets and ended up in prison as like some sort of, you know, gangster hero. Mir is a gunshot survivor. He's quadriplegic. And he went from being this healthy young man driving around in Lamborghinis to lying in a bed, not being able to move a muscle in his body except for his head and his mouth. And uh, I followed him. I messaged back and forth with him a little bit. And it just goes to show you the contrast of life. And now his whole, where he was trying to become a rap star now his whole goal is to try and eat food alone without help. So it just puts life in perspective. It's it's and like I said, I've talked back and forth to him a little bit. Seems like a really cool guy, and you know his whole life is taking a complete one eighty, and he's dealing with that now. So now his goals and focus is to be like a motivational speaker based on his situation. So did you were you able to find him, Bob? Uh, no. Oh, no, I'll send yet. you. I'll send you his link. Yeah, uh, Mir Malik, and and there's uh, there's clips of him on Hot 97 rapping and stuff. And and I like all kinds of rap. And I thought he was, he's very very talented. Maybe one day he'll rap again. But right now his struggles are a different sort of struggle. Mm-hmm. So I'll send you the link so you can find it. Wow. Um, mine is somebody we all know, uh, Make with Miles. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Miles has been, I don't know how old Miles is now, but when we first met Miles, he was a very young teenager running around Maker Fairs with like his dad. And um, <clears throat> he it makes lots of cool stuff. Recently, he's been doing this series on Make Magazine where he interviewed a bunch of us years ago yeah and i didn't know where that came from I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. and then so these videos have been coming out of a bunch of us and our friends being interviewed at a maker fair in like i don't know 2017 or something it was a long time ago and uh so they've been coming out and it's just funny to see him pop up after so long uh but he asked the questions for those did the interviews and so he's kind of voicing those but uh anyway he did a project recently where he made this lantern did you see the wooden lantern he made i didn't think so so he he made this like camping lantern, and it's a wooden collapsible, like it it squishes down, and when it squishes down, it closes. When you open it up, it has a diffuser around the inside, and the light oh, turns yeah. on. And it was really fun to watch because he had a cl- really clear idea of what he was doing, went about it a cool way, and then he ran into kind of a catastrophic problem right in the middle of it. And I totally felt just like, oh no, I can see what's. No, don't do it. Oh, and then he was stuck. And then he was trying to figure out how to like <laughs> take it apart without breaking it. And he totally got it working. It's a good video. Um, it's a really nice looking, very slick looking wooden and plastic lantern. Um, so, yeah, go check that out. Make with Miles. You guys got anything else? I think we're good. Cool. Think we're good. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to go do the after show. So, uh, patrons, we'll see you over there in just a second. Burp. And uh, everybody else, we'll see you next time. Later. Bye. Love you.